Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's all happening today in the world we all know as the Westminster Village. David Davis is threatening to resign again, but will he actually fall on his sword in a fit of pique over a secret document and a pre-Brexit stitch-up? Meanwhile, Michael Gove is at it again, not content with banning wood-burning stoves and saving the planet. He's now lashing out at capitalism and fat cats. There's nothing sacred to this over-ambitious environment secretary. First up, though, we're talking about wind, not the kind that keeps you up at night, but the kind that powers those wind turbines we all hate so much Apparently, they've been worse than useless recently because we haven't got any wind, or it's the wrong kind of wind, or it's not blowing in the right direction. Have you ever heard anything so ridiculous? 0344 499 1000. Katie Perry is here to help us through the political machinations of the day, but I'd also be asking her about why universities are such a rip-off, and whether she's ever heard of You, Me at Six. Lead singer Josh Franceschi is coming in a little bit later on. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Katie Perry on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. You are the wind beneath my wings. 0344 is the number to call us on. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We're keeping an eye uh, on the Westminster Village this morning just in case David Davis decides to uh, uh, throw himself on his uh, sword and decide that he no longer wishes to be the chief Brexit negotiator for Theresa May. Well, he has formed because many years ago he decided that to resign as an MP over a civil liberties issue mm. and cause a by-election, which he then got re-elected to Parliament. And many people thought, well, was that a waste of time or was that him really showing his his kind of his clout? Mm. And so he's back in the situation again. It's not the first time he said, well, I might walk. And so some of the political commentators are being quite sceptical right. as to whether or not he will. But on he likes average, to see himself as a bit of an outsider, doesn't he? Yeah, he? absolutely. But on average, Theresa May has lost a minister every six weeks. So uh, a few cynics <laughs> in Westminster are now saying it's time for another one. <laughs> it could happen at any time. That is um, remarkable, isn't but it? But what we've got... I mean, that must be some kind of record if she's it, it losing is. one every she, six weeks. She really is kind of ploughing through them. Not mm. not of her own doing, to be mm. fair. Right. Damien Green was not of her own doing. Some stuff found on his computer that he maybe shouldn't have done. Pretty Patel really wasn't of her own doing. So yeah. it has been un, you know, unfortunate yes. that she found herself in that position. But Well, yeah, um, well, one is unfortunate. Two, you start to think it might be a bit careless. Three or four or one every six weeks, you start to go, hmm, there's a bit of a malaise at the heart of all this, isn't there? The problem at the heart of this is that no one's happy because Brexit has never turned out to be the Brexit that the Brexiteers wanted. Yeah. And it certainly is a fudge compared to what the Remainers wanted. So nobody's happy right now and everybody's grumpy. And of course, at the end of all this, you know, in many, many years' time, or it might be sooner, but... Uh, at the moment, it's 2022. There's going to be a general election. And the Conservative Party look at each other going, do you know what? Whatever happens, we're doomed. Because yeah. we're going to get blamed for this mess. Mm. Even if it wasn't of our doing, even if we tried our very best to deliver on the will of the British people, yeah. we're going to get blamed for this. Because if, you know, if just... Well, like, it's, it's very difficult to see a kind of a happy ending for it, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's just not well, really you possible. Hope, you would hope that the UK finds its way as a global trading partner with countries outside of the EU and we start to smash it and we yeah. outperform the EU and when our productivity goes up and when our employment goes up, our yeah. wage per hour, what we get paid per hour starts to go up. But should we not be doing all of that now? Should we not be doing these well, trade deals outside of Europe with allowed. countries? What do you mean you're not allowed? It's against the EU rules. Well, 
leaving the bloody EU. I know, but no one breaks the rules. No one breaks the rules. Well, I would. Well, I would. You and I. You and I would have a great time. Yeah, here we go. Right, you lot over there, you can forget giving us any instructions now because we're leaving. Right, we'll tell you when we're leaving. We'll tell you how we're leaving, and we'll tell you how much money we'll give you on the way out. And, and you, in the meantime, stick your nose somewhere out of our business. You've hit the nail on the head because all the way through uh, we, our EU membership, we have gold-plated their guidance. Yeah. We've just taken their rules right. and we've slapped gold around mm. it and we've absolutely uh, delivered those rules to the British public. Now, the French don't do that. No. And the Germans don't do that. They suit themselves. So now we're in the situation where we're leaving because we've had enough of it all. Mm. And really what we should have done all the way through that is not wrap it in gold and say, well, we might do this to take on these rules. We yeah. might not. We'll stay within the broad framework, which allows France to operate as an mm -hmm. EU partner right. and allows Germany to operate. So we have kind of set this up for ourselves. We even are abiding by the rule that we're not allowed to start trading with other countries because we're still an EU member. That's ridiculous. But we're leaving them. So what, you know, what totally are you going to do? mad. Just, just stick your finger on your nose and start waving it at them and say, what are you going to do to us? You're, you want a massive check from us. I think it's anything between 20 billion and 60 billion yeah. being discussed. You want a massive check from us. So you're hardly going to stop us because of course not. you want loads of money from exactly. us. Exactly. It's to, absolutely to ludicrous. And also to go back to the uh, the energy conversation, presumably all these EU subsidies with which we use to subsidise all of our kind of wind energy and solar energy and all of this kind of renewable energy. What's going to happen to all that then? Well, the point is, is that we don't pay, we're not paying any of that money anymore right. once we leave the EU, mm. or we shouldn't be after right. a period of time. Therefore, that's our money to spend on what we want. So if we want to fund British kind of innovation and research and R&D into the best possible way to create renewable energy, we can do that because we'll have the money because we won't be giving it to the EU all the time. Right. Don't forget, other people like France, Germany, Greece, they are Italy, they are very worried that their checkbook is not going to be picked up by the, the UK right. every year. Although they're they a bit seem worried to be they're not the going to get our money. But most of these European countries seem to be the, 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 the countries that own the energy companies that basically run the energy in our country. Well, for so, the French own EDF. I mean, the French own EDF. The Scottish, and the water. Scottish water. Power, I think, is owned by a Spanish company now or a French company. I mean, it's not Scottish. They shouldn't call it Scottish Power. It's actually a <laughs> you know, misnomer. But, you know, most of the energy companies are owned outside of Britain, right? Yeah. So, I mean, presumably if they're in Europe, there might be some kind of problem or complication uh, due to Brexit. I think they'll do their absolute best for them not to be because there's a financial benefit for them to carry on supplying some of these uh, uh, utilities. But maybe over time, at some point in the future, we might decide that we quite like our own governments mm. to own some of those chunk of those those businesses. Or indeed... Well, you mean back to nationalisation? Quite possibly. Yeah. Although I don't necessarily think governments are very good at running things. No. My experience is that governments run things badly and that the private sector on Including the whole... the government. <laughs> You know, right. Can <laughs> Maybe we you should outsource the, the government. government. There we go. It's a great idea to you and me. Yeah, we should run it. We'd We're do much nail better. It. <laughs> I'm only laughing because you love this kind of stuff, don't you? If you and I ever end up in a sort of late night party situation where there's a karaoke, don't worry, I'm not going to you on the dance floor. Very ugly, dance with me for a very ugly scene. I can tell you that. <laughs> I can clear the dance floor. Well, you know, Labour Party don't conference, worry. Tory Party conference oh, coming yes. up. That is a party you know, of all parties. There's, um, there's bound to be a situation, isn't it? If my other half is listening at home, it's not a party. It's really hard work. I st I'm there till very late in the hours. Yeah. I get up very early in the and morning. And hardly any drinking. And there is no drinking whatsoever. No. If he's not listening, it's a cracking karaoke night out. <laughs> yes. And you see members of the cabinet kind of do try and murder Queen on the dance floor and uh, all kinds of uh, other crazy songs. And it's a, it's a good night out. Yes, absolutely right. Well, now we will come to uh, why we're talking about this, of course, because I've just been on holiday. A nice little I know, flight nice to uh, Greece and back. Thank you very much. 
much. I feel still very well rested, even though it's now Thursday and I've been back working four days. Um, but we're going to talk to Alex Machuras now, who's an amazing character, right? He spends his life living on planes, effectively. I spoke to him once before when I, we were on Talk Sport um, because he, uh, he sort of, he basically tries out new airlines, tries out new flight paths, tries out new designs, tries out new uh, airline food. What a cracking I don't job. think he actually has a house because he doesn't need one. Alex, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Hi, Alex. <laughs> good morning. What an intro. Thank you. Now, where are you now in the world? Right now, I'm, uh, I'm in Andalusia, the south of Spain. Oh, very nice. Excellent stuff. Now, a fascinating story. We thought you'd be the best guy to talk to about it. Uh, uh, we've seen this morning. Uh, possibility of flying in a plane without any windows because it would make it more um, economically efficient. Yes, so windowless jets, that's the latest thing they're looking at. And, you know, manufacturers are always developing ideas that ultimately an airline will go to and one day they'll say, yep, we want one of those. And, and then it will enter service. And that's literally how it works in aviation. And why did they suddenly only now come up with this idea? Because, I mean, those of us who don't have the opportunity to fly first class or business, I mean, the only thing you can really do is look out the window. It's about the only, it's only about the only enjoyable thing you can get out of the flight. Well, even in first class and in business class, the windows, for me anyway, are a vital part of, of just being able to see, you know, the world from an angle that you don't usually yeah. get to see. And, and to be honest, I'm quite against this whole idea of, of having screens replace windows because everything is a screen. Our boarding pass is a screen. The safety video is a screen. You know, God forbid we see something with just our eyes and through glass. And, uh, and, and now they're, they're coming up with these ideas. Emirates have been the first airline to introduce virtual windows for their first-class suites in the middle of the cabin. So these are cabins that traditionally cannot see, you know, the, the edges of the fuselage yeah. cannot see a window. So they've given them the opportunity of having these virtual screens. And they're very realistic. They look great, but it's not the real thing. I was on a, I think I was on a plane once. I think I was going to Mexico, and they had one of those. They had the view from underneath the plane as you were taking off, which was quite cool on a screen. Because, again, you'd never be able to see that. It's like kind of being in a glass-bottom boat. Um, which was kind of interesting. But then it didn't go the whole way on the flight. It just went through takeoff. But I'm, I'm like you. I mean, if it's a screen, it's a screen. It's not a window. I mean, I looked out the window when we were flying to Greece the other day, and we were flying over the Alps, and it was fantastic. You could see the snow-peaked ca- capped mountains. You know, it was beautiful. Absolutely. The best thing about the holiday, if you fly to Vegas, the best thing about landing in Vegas is the bright lights as you're on, on arrival. Yeah, exactly. That's the exciting part of the holiday. You think, look, you know, everybody's clambering to look out the window because it looks so good. You fly into New York, you and want do you to see recite, it all. Do you recite that opening line, the opening lines from Casino as well, about, you know, the, the place that used to be a stopover for American soldiers in the desert, that Mo Green made it into something yeah, fantastic. Yeah, look at yeah. it now. But, yeah. you know, do you think it'd take off, to, to coin a phrase, or uh, do you think that it, you know people won't like it and they say no? I actually want it to sit next to a window. To be honest, I do think it will take off because it's already in service. Like I said, because Emirates have already set the tone by by introducing it, it's natural that other airlines will follow. But where Emirates have done it in a super premium first class way, you know, this potentially gives this horrific idea I was thinking of earlier, where Ryanair could take loads of new short haul jets with no windows, just screens. Now, can you imagine, you're, you're going over the Alps, you know, you want to enjoy that artificial view and suddenly an advert appears for discounted car rental <laughs> just at that spot where you wanted to take the photo. This is what could happen. You know, this is, this is the danger involved in, in this. So I'm against it. They'll be sending you scratch cards just at the most important time of the journey. Now, I can't, exactly. I can't let, you, let you carry on without asking you, how did you get into this job in the first place? You're only young, as I, as I understand it. You just you fly around the world uh, experiencing so, right, first class. Story. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, so I mean, I've been passionate about aviation for as long as I can remember. Anyone that's known me since five years old knows that I kind of have the same uh, brain as I do now. And uh, my mum's scared of flying, ironically. My father works in motorsport, so there's no family thing. Um, I was just writing from very young. Uh, I was networking. I was meeting airline officials from young. I was emailing and, and just really trying to be involved in the industry as, as much as I could. And then I started broadcasting uh, aviation news and working very closely with the manufacturers to do with cabin and, and testing cabins. And it just evolved from there. And, uh, and that's where I am now. And they now treat you as a sort of mass, massive expert on aviation, don't they? In the sense where almost uh, they wouldn't want to do anything in the, in the business without making sure they consult you first. Well, in some cases, I'm happy to say that, that it can be like that. And, you know, I'm still, you know, stay humble and grounded and, uh, and uh, grounded. I fly easy jet. But, uh, but I do, I do, you know, I'm very passionate about this industry. And, uh, and I think when the passion leads you, it's the best thing. And, and I remember when I was young, when I was eight years old, I read Richard Branson's book and how he described his love for aviation. And I remember thinking, wow, that's, that's just like me. So uh, I think it's, it's just you're just born with it. They call it the bug. What's the best flight you've ever been on and what's the worst flight you've ever been on? The best was um, in December. I delivered a Singapore Airlines A380 with uh, essentially an apartment on the aircraft. It's a, a huge suite. <laughs> we were flying over Iran during a meteor shower and I saw about 15 to 20 shooting stars from this suite, empty aircraft. I mean, it was really magical. Wow, brilliant. Um, the worst, oh, I mean, there's been a few low-cost carriers where I've had to dive out in the middle of a storm when it was a bit rough, but uh, any landing you can walk away from is a good one. Oh, do you see that? It's so diplomatic. No Very wonder good. they love you. What about uh, the, the, the actual super efficiency, supposedly, of not having windows? Because, you, I mean, people already say you're kind of flying in this tube um, surrounded by lots of other people. It's kind of unhygienic. It carries all sorts of germs. It's not the greatest way to travel. But, you know, we have to use it because it's the fastest way to get around the world. What is the actual sort of economy uh, that, that airlines are going to get from not having windows? Well, it's actually to do with um, the fact that the fuselage at the moment has to be reinforced around these windows. Mm. And it ultimately causes weakening at a, mu- at a much faster rate than if you could just have one plain block of fuselage. They would much rather almost have you know, one type of slab, let's say, in simple terms, right. than they would having to constantly reinforce these spaces for windows. But we know there have been incidents recently just in the U.S. and Southwest where a window blew open yeah. as a result of, of an uncontained engine failure. So, yeah, it's very attractive for the airlines and ultimately they're always putting economics over passenger comfort. They are, because in the end of the day, it's still a struggling as a business, isn't it, these days? I mean, we see airlines merging all the time, one taking over Monarch another one. Monarch went bust. We Monarch. saw Monarch going bust. We saw Norwegian yep. expanding very, very rapidly and then sort of maybe thinking we went a bit too quick. You know, what is the, the future, sort of the next 12 months for the airline business? It's all about consolidation. And sadly, that's not the best news for the consumer. Um, in Europe now, like you said, you know, Norwegian uh, is, is going to be who are they going to get into bed with ultimately? British Airways owner IAG want them badly. Yeah. Um, Alitalia in Italy, they're about to go bust. Most of European airlines are owned by Lufthansa. So there really isn't much competition. And when they're all owned by the same airline group, it tends to be worse in terms of pricing wars for consumers. But ultimately, an only way for an airline to survive in this climate is by merging, you know, and, and, consol- and consolidating. Sure. And where are you off to next? Because I know last time we spoke, you, you, don't, you don't tend to stay in one place for very long. Where are you going to go after Andalusia? Uh, at the moment, it's unconfirmed. It's either going to be Korea, which is uh, it's South Korea, <laughs> which is a, a little bit far, yeah. or it might be uh, to Argentina. I'm, I'm kind of waiting to find out in the next couple of days. Do you have a home or do you just stay in hotels around the world? 
<laughs> so long as I've got my hand luggage case, my Mac and Wi-Fi, then, then I feel most at home. But it's amazing. I do have a base where there are family and uh, I, can, I can always drop by and go back to them. And, you know, I see my mother and father a lot. But, I love uh, this, yeah, but I do have visions of the fact that, you know, they fly you on these amazing suites across the world and then they dump you in the most awful hotels because <laughs> they're only in charge of the flight. They don't care about the hotel. They're just in charge of the flight. Or do they put you up in oh. lovely hotels as well? Thank goodness that is not the case. Yeah, the, is, the hotels are great too. So <laughs> it's, it's all fine. I love it. Well, oh, hats brilliant. off to you. Alex, listen, thank you so much for talking to us. It's delightful to hear from you again. And if you go to North Korea, or sorry, South Korea, uh, you could get there next week for the summit with old Donald Trump and Kim yeah, Jong-un. Yeah, give us a buzz. You could be, you know, be our live correspondent. You could be our correspondent from the summit, if you like. I'll let you know. Okay, brilliant stuff. Brilliant, thank you good very luck. Much. Safe travels. Alex Macheras, what a fantastic guy. And what a great job. I mean, I couldn't, what? last I time I spoke to this guy, I couldn't believe... What he was telling me. I hate it when young people turn around and say, there are no opportunities for yeah. me. There are no doors ever open for me. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But they're just the genius to start writing to people and yeah. saying, I'm obsessed with your industry. I love what you do. Yeah. I want to become part of it. I don't have any background. I don't have any you know, dad or an uncle to help me. Mm. I'm just going to do it my way. Can you help? Yeah. And do you know what? The door's starting opening for him. They and do. I think that's brilliant. Well, persistence is a very, very good way of getting a job, is, is my experience. And, I mean, I gave a job to somebody in Scotland once because she used to come into the... Uh, the the recording studio where we, we had where the radio station was every single day and just sit there. My biggest tip. And she kept yeah. saying to me, I'm going to wait here until you give me a job. And I'm like, well, I've got any jobs. And she just kept coming back <laughs> I love that. every morning. My biggest tip also is to ask people for their advice because yeah. it doesn't matter whether or not you are on the shop floor or whether yeah. you're CEO. Everybody loves to give their advice because yeah. they've got a little bit of experience or something they want to pass on to the next generation. And then before you know it, the door's opened. You've got a meeting with the CEO for mm. half an hour. Uh, other people have been queuing up to get something you haven't got yeah. and you're on your way. And I just love his kind of optimistic attitude of, you know, you know, I've got my stuff in my hand luggage. I've got my Mac. What more do I need in yeah, life? I, I think know. it's brilliant. It's fantastic. And, and a great lesson as well to all these people who go, oh, I can't afford to buy a house anymore. It's not fair. Yeah, well, just maybe don't bother buying a house. Maybe you know? your house could be the one in the sky. Exactly. House in the Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Guy. Hello, I'm Jamie East. Now, as well as being on talk radio every afternoon between 1 and 4pm, I've just started a brand new podcast that I wanted to tell you about. It's called Talk Film. We've got interviews with the big stars like Martin Freeman, Tandy Newton, Josh Brolin, loads of them. And also all of the reviews of the week's big releases. There's a new episode every Thursday, available through Apple Podcasts and your favourite podcast app. Just search for Talk Film and give it a whirl. If you like it, please hit that subscribe button. 
Got a real treat for you now, Casey. Yep. That song is called 3AM. Yep. It's brand new. It's by You, Me at Six. Liking it. I like and that. the man who's singing it is right here with us. Good Josh. to see you. I am. Very That's good true. afternoon. Hello, Josh nice Franceschi from Waybridge. Yeah. Have I got your name he's right? Like, he's, yeah. he's you got, you got both right. That you're from Weybridge. Sorry. He's obsessed with the fact that you're from. Well, yeah. it's just that I know a couple of people live in Weybridge, so yeah. I kind of know Weybridge because I've been there a few times, and there's yeah, not yeah. many parts of of that part of the world that I know quite as well as Weybridge. Don't yeah. let him ask you loads of questions on Weybridge. It'd be I, all very dull all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't live there anymore now. I, I don't, don't blame you. I live he's in a Hackney worldwide now, pop so, star. Yeah. You're in Hackney. Yeah. There you go. I like I like the, uh, the the flavor of Hackney. Yeah, yeah I think I think I think being in Hackney is probably a better place to be. Perhaps a yeah. Rock star do you get people yeah. following you around? Do people annoy you and kind of camp outside your house and follow you around a bit, or do they leave you alone? Uh, I, f- I don't really think we've ever had a problem with that. I think we've got like a, we're only famous at Umi at six shows, if you want to call it that. Other okay. than that, it's uh, also you get like people coming up to you every now and then, but. I don't think anybody knows where I live yet, and if they did, keep it that way. I keep think, it that yeah, way. Be, and do you all live? Because there's quite a lot of you, aren't there? There's, there's about five of us. Five yeah. of you in the band. A couple of guys tour with you as well. Do you do you all kind of live near each other? Or no, so all the boys still live in Surrey, okay. uh, and they all live pretty close to each other. Uh, I'm the only one that sort of moved out, and then our crew is sort of from all over the place, whether it be up north, right. and like I think some of them from Leeds, and then. Um, yeah, all over the place, no. really. So, okay. Yeah. And you go all over the place this summer because it's kind of festival season is getting underway, isn't it? It is, yeah. Which for a lot of people is kind of defines their summer. Yeah. I mean, I'm a bit old for that sort of stuff now, but my daughter is always you on me. You don't say. What do you mean, don't say? I saw Led Zeppelin and Nebworth, last mate. show they ever did. Nice. Trust me. And uh, my son thinks that's pretty heroic, actually. You know, that is pretty cool. he, loves, pretty he loves Led yeah. Zeppelin. And uh, anyway, but she's always after me to get the tickets to go to Glastonbury, which I've never been to and I can never get tickets for. Right. Um, and I don't know if you guys are doing Glastonbury this year, but you're it's doing not, loads of It's not of on this year. That's how much you year. know. Hey? It's not on this year. What do you mean it's not on? It's not on. They're taking a year off. Tell him. Tell yeah. him. Inform him. Well, there you go. And that's why I couldn't get tickets. There you go. <laughs> Well, it's not on. We're going to try and play it next year. So okay. if we do, I'll come back. But you've yeah, sold out Wembley Arena, haven't you? We have. In the past, the and you're going and stuff like that, yeah. all over the country this summer in terms of all different festivals. Yeah, we're doing a bunch. Uh, I'm actually on my way to Donington to go and play Download tomorrow um, after this. Right. Uh, we're playing a show tonight in Kiel as like a little warm-up because we haven't played in about seven months because we've just finished the new record. Um, and is, that, then, is that hard to kind of catch up with again? You know, I was surprised. We started rehearsing last week and I was sort of like... We're playing in time and in tune. This is this is good. <laughs> well, it's surprised. never done the Rolling Stones any harm, to uh, be honest. I mean, yeah. they've never played in tune or in time. You know, oh, come on, don't give them that. They haven't. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're great to see live, but they're no. They're actually not a very good live band no, in terms of I've the slickness of it all. No. You know, saw them at Wembley as well. Really tick that one off. All right, there you go. Okay. You see a few things, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you can have a whole history of my, you know, former life not. if you wish. But not. anyway. So Donington used to be a really kind of heavy metal type place, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. Download is, is kind of historically is um, it's sort of like his DNA is based around metal mm. music. But over the last sort of 10, 15 years, Andy Copping and everybody else at Live Nation have done a, a really good job of sort of growing with the times, but also still keeping um, keeping it OG and keeping it real with what's at the core of their stuff. So we're definitely like probably one of the bands that crossover mm. in terms of we'll be playing the radio and we don't scream and shout in our music <laughs> right. and then but we'll still go and play and is it different and... when you play a festival because not always you're not always playing like to your own fans are you to your own audience that, that's the beauty of it is yeah. that you're there's an opportunity to sort of win people over and uh and people can stumble across you i think actually this summer we're playing a festival in poland and it's called the woodstock it's a free festival that happens there and every year they get about half a million people going wow. 
um and we've just seen since we've been announced like our streaming numbers in poland have gone through the roof because they just go and listen to the, the artists that come to play to discover them and it's a free festival so mm. my friends in uh and a band called Nothing But Thieves played it last year and they, they ended up playing about 150,000 wow. people. So looking forward to something like that. That's gonna that be must be well. incredible. If yeah, you're, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, Wembley Reed is big, but, you know, 150,000 is another, another yeah, sort of the, level altogether, isn't I it? I think the biggest capacity we've ever done was when we, when we had the Olympics uh, in London. We played the opening, one of the opening ceremony sort of events in Hyde Park. Okay. And again, that was a, a free event. And I think there was about 150, 200,000 wow. people in Hyde Park. And that was, it was just a sea of people. And can you see a kind of a knock-on effect from that? Like if you've got an album out and you play something like that, does it, do the sales go through the roof? Because we keep hearing now that people don't really buy music in the same way that they used to. No, but I think actually people are consuming music yeah. uh, more than ever. Mm. Um, and I think that... You know, with the streaming platforms such as Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora and all these different things, it's it's kind of it it it's made people uh, it's more accessible, so people can really go and discover new things yeah. um, a lot easier. But yeah, I think again, it's just you know we're we're in an ever changing sort of period culturally in society, and I think you have to sort of move and, and progress with yeah. that, otherwise you get left behind. Sure, so, yeah. because a lot of people say as well about Spotify that you know if you're a megastar, it's fine, but if you're kind of not so big you yeah. have to sell so many downloads or people have to buy it or stream so many times that you know it's quite difficult to make money from it yeah well we, we had a situation last year with when our record came out we were number one in the midweeks and we were outselling physical copies of little mix and pete tong who were right. also going for it but our streaming numbers comparatively to little mix i think I think one of them just broken up with one of the fellas. So right. it's like everyone's <laughs> listens to the tunes again, something like that. And uh, you can't compete with that. No. You know, because it's it's uh, it's just not on the same level. Right. Um, and so we ended up ended up being number three, which was still in a massive achievement. Right, it was it? A, yeah. a good vibe. But yeah, it's, uh, it is it is difficult predominantly for guitar bands. Yeah. The streaming numbers can, aren't in the same league. Uh, that being said, when a band writes a great song or creates a great record, like we saw with the Arctic Monkeys when they put out AM, um, was probably one of the best guitar records in the last decade. You saw that it really got celebrated in the mainstream. Yeah. So it just depends on the songs, I guess, isn't and it? And the so. Swarm, uh, I'm reading here, became the theme tune for the Swarm at Thorpe Park. It did, Which yeah. must be pretty good. Yeah. Do you I, ever I, just pop in and just so you can go around on the ride and listen to it? <laughs> no, I, I, to I, w- I wouldn't go on the ride. Anyway, I absolutely detest it. Yeah, you parks. and me both. Sorry, Thorpe Park. But that I, I remember when we went to like the, uh, the unveiling, unveiling of it all, do you want to go on? I was like, no way. If I'm gonna, when I die, it's not going to be because the wheels went off on a roller coaster. It's not happening that way. No, so, it's no. not. No, I, I absolutely couldn't you agree with you more. Cats, I couldn't honestly. agree with you more. No, I couldn't stand doing anything like that. And what about vinyl? Because obviously mm. a lot of bands are now releasing their stuff on vinyl again as well. Yeah. I'm very happy about that because I've still got a record player. And which is not because I've still got one from the 70s, by the way. It's because somebody bought me a new one. So I hadn't Whatever. thrown all my records out. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah, there's been a real, uh, what's the word? There's been a real sort of revival. spike and revival. And yeah. Vinyl, so do you, yeah. Is, your, is your new album out on, on vinyl? Yeah, absolutely. It's on pre-order. You can get it. We've got it on vinyl. We actually had cassette tapes on wow, the last record, really? which you've done wow. again on this one. It's just, just trying to keep it interesting for the, the people that want to yeah. buy it. Now, see, I haven't got anything to play a cassette on anymore. Do I, you know what? I'm gonna, they're, they're reselling boom boxes. Are they? Yeah, I saw Walkmans this. Walkmans and stuff like that. They're yeah, selling... Yeah. Do you remember wow. we talked about Walkmans, didn't we, the other we day? We did, yeah. I used to have a Walkman. It's coming back. Cassette tape. 
I loved them. Yeah, there you it's go. Definitely, oh, you, you've got to well, sell here. What used to be great about cassette tapes was making your own, you know, effectively your own playlist by, you know, just recording Copying stuff off the radio. Off the radio. Yeah, Highly the radio. illegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like totally illegal, stuff. which nobody does anymore. Totally no, illegal. Of course not. No, that would be wrong. Yes. Wouldn't it? We don't endorse that. No, of course not. Tell us about the new album quickly. Tell us about, you know, why it's different and are you produced it in a different way or, or yeah, a different we, we, label? So uh, it's actually, we've set up our own imprint with AWOL and Cobalt. Uh, called Underdog Records, which we've been wanting to do for many years, so that was good to get off the ground. Um, it's the first record um, that we've recorded in England. The last three have been done in America. That was a big thing for us to do that. Um, Where did you record it? In a place called Ulster, just about 25 minutes from Birmingham, 30 minutes from Birmingham, uh, at this studio called Vader Studios, uh, with a, Brit a British producer called Dan Austin who's you know made everything anything from the pixies to engineering on um you know stuff with Gil Norton who's done the Foo Fighters and Jimmy Wells and stuff like that so but yeah we just sort of we went we, we did like I guess like a a trial song of him to be like is this the guy because we were talking to a lot of different people and we made a song called Fast Forward with him and we were just like this is the guy because he's like an extension of our band um and he really understood what we wanted to do in terms of pushing the boundary sonically and creatively. And uh, we've definitely done that across the board on the record. Um, yeah, and I think our last record was basically a stepping stone to have the confidence to pull off what we've done on this one. So hopefully people will like it in the same way we do. And you've been around quite a long time, haven't you? Are you, are you, do, you do you get a good reaction in America when you go there? Because you say Blink-182 is one of your kind of influences, right? Yeah, so. back in the day, I mean, maybe, I mean, yeah, maybe not so much uh, anymore. They're obviously still a great band, but I think I don't, I'll be, I don't really listen to guitar yeah. music anymore. I sort of listen to, yeah, I listen to listen anything to? and everything. I'm well, mainly hip hop and R and B and dance music. You know, I just went to Ibiza a few weeks ago, so that sort of sets the tone, I guess. Mm. But uh, when when a good guitar record comes out, then I'm I, I love it and I li I live and breathe it. But in general, I'm not too focused on that at the moment. But um. Yeah, America is a tough place, man. Yeah, it it's is, not, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, comparatively to what we have in the UK, yeah, nowhere near it. It's but, very I mean, difficult, it's isn't it, just, yeah. And you ha but you have to invest the time there. Like, if you're going to go, you can't just go there and be like, I oh, will do a few shows on the West Coast and a few shows on the East Coast. You have to basically go and live there for yeah. like six to nine months, which yeah. none of us really want to do, mm. to be honest. No, <laughs> so. no, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's much more civilised on this side of the oh, planet. Yeah. It's yeah, got to exactly. be said. Have you ever done Tea in the Park? We have, yeah, yeah. Tea in the yeah. Park's are mad. I used to live up there and everybody in Glasgow just used to go to Tea in the Park. It's the whole city would empty for yeah, the weekend. It's and just it one of those mad. festivals. It was, it was one of those festivals I just thought like, because obviously the, the crowds in Scotland are probably up there, yeah. you know, in terms of some of the best audiences in the world. And um, yeah, every time we played it, we played there twice, I believe. Mm. And the last time we played the main stage and um, which again was sort of like a bucket list thing. My, my, my granddad was from, I believe like, in Ross oh was he okay might say. yeah very I've, close I've, by yeah I've always had a relationship with the Scottish fans in that sense and uh, just being on stage and just watching what they were doing in the crowd I was like you lot are absolutely mad for it <laughs> whatever, whatever I remember you, whatever I went you in, guys are taking yeah. fair play they, had a, they had, a, had a sort of a, um, a sort of trance tent where you right. could go and, oh, and I was only up there for the day because I was so middle class and old I'd actually driven there right in a Volvo <laughs> With my girlfriend, and so I said, "Oh, we've got to drive back." And we were like, getting, "People were going. There's free beer in the tents over here. You know, you treat the press really well." And I, w I walked into this uh, this trance tent where it was just completely black. You couldn't see anything. There was a couple of lights coming off the stage, and I literally tripped over people who were just lying there. 
Yeah. In the tent. Having a nap, yeah. Yeah, just, I don't know what yeah, they were doing. but yeah. They would yeah. OD'd on uh, Iron Brew. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just an incredible <laughs> It was the orange. Well, Josh, it's delightful to meet you. Good luck with the, uh, me, with the album. Um, everybody gets in all the normal places, I guess. Yeah, it's, well, it's available for pre-order now. The record actually comes out October 5th. Okay. Oh, wow. A bit later on in the year. So. All right, okay. But if we come along to hear you over the summer, we'll be able to get... Flavor of some of the stuff. Yeah, we're going to be playing a bunch of new tracks over the summer, and we'll so be touring again. July the first, community festival, London, August the sixth, Belladrum, Inverness. That's a long way up there. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out for the midges, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of midges up there. I don't know what. What do you mean midges? Midges, like little um, fleas that bite you. Oh right, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. There's that's swarms like a, that's of them. a dad tip. That's I mean, a shame, isn't it? Watch out for the midges. It's <laughs> like a dad no. tip, isn't well, it? Well, if you've ever played It'll the Loch Ness jungle spray you before Loch, you leave the studio, to, these are the kind yeah. of tips he needs from me. He doesn't need tips on how to be a rock star. He needs no. tips on how to Thank avoid God. the midges. You know. <laughs> Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 